Hey there, this is Terry Cowley, weekday breakfast presenter on 1FM Shepparton. Thanks for checking out this podcast. It was recorded live as part of The Brecky Show, which you can catch 6 to 9am Monday to Friday. It's the week that was with Rosa Ritchie of the Shepparton News. There you go, Rosie. You wanted a juvenile announcer? That was excellent. <laughs> I'll pass on your compliments to young Bo. How are you this morning, this morning, Rosa? Oh, I'm pretty well. I've um, lying next to me. I've got a bit of a sick puppy. Oh no! What's wrong? Well, she's she's had she's been spayed this week, so it's all a normal. Uh, part of life, part of growing up. <laughs> Something like that, yes. Yeah, but she's, you know... A bit quiet. bit miserable, but she'll get there. I'm sure she will. <laughs> I won't say we've all been there, because it's not... No. <laughs> so every week, Rosa, we try not to talk about, you know, the coronavirus, and uh, but yeah. this week we cannot avoid it because it's really worrying. Yeah, the, yesterday... Um, Victoria's COVID-19 response commander, Jerome Weimar, said that we're at the most challenging leg of the journey, which is not what anyone wants to hear because I think part of the problem at the moment is with quite good uh, vaccination uptake in Greater Shepparton and good weather and excitement for the pandemic to be behind us. Um, people have dropped their guard a little bit and the transmission is mainly occurring uh, between households, which indicates people are having house guests when they're not supposed to, essentially. Yep. Um, And I understand the urge and I totally sympathise, but it's not safe to do that yet. And that's why... um, As the numbers um, show, yeah. Yeah, so yesterday was 30 new cases, which isn't what GB Health... Um, Chief Executive Matt Sharp expected earlier this week um, working under the assumption that we would be following the restrictions Matt Sharp was saying that we might actually be down to single digits in terms of cases by the weekend but then as the week has shown, you know, yesterday we had 30 new cases, uh, outbreaks at over 180 cases so it's feasible it could pass 200 cases today um, we don't know those case numbers yet. Uh, it's yeah, it's just not going the way that anyone expected, and um, we do need to really rein it in. Which we've always done so well, and it's like we're you know there's a bit of fatigue now. But uh, as you say, if it's the most challenging time, we we've just got to um, go back to those great restrictions that we did have in place. Yeah, and you know I you know. The thing is, once you're vaccinated, you you can still pass the virus on to someone. So feeling that the rules shouldn't apply to you anymore if you're vaccinated, not to say that I have any knowledge that that's what's actually going on. This is all speculation. But, you know, that that feeling of protection you have once you're vaccinated still doesn't mean that you don't have to act with the rest of the community in mind. Yeah, and uh, those are the rules, whether you're vaccinated or not at this stage. Mm, So, yeah, you cannot visit somebody else's house unless it's for specific reasons. And I think maybe we need to clarify those reasons. Maybe there is some confusion um, Mm. because there was talk about, you know, bubble buddies and things like this. But I think that applies to catching up outdoors. 
Yeah, the the best way to catch up at the moment that are that are permitted is you know two um, members of two households can meet for a picnic in the park. Um, you can book a table at a restaurant. You can go to a cafe. Um, you can you know meet a friend and go for a walk around the lake. So there are ways to socialise now, um, but unless you're providing care or visiting your partner, your intimate partner, um, there are very few reasons, if no reasons, why you should be going to someone else's house. I'm sure Matt Sharp's been asked this question, but will we be put into a lockdown again? You know, do you think that will happen? I mean, I'm kind of surprised it hasn't happened with these numbers, or maybe this is, you know, showing a different approach. It's really hard to say because we've, you know, as I've mentioned, we do have, um, we've passed 90% first dose um, you know, past 60% double dose in Greater Shepparton. So that was part of the reasoning uh, behind the decision to let us out of lockdown. And I, I really don't know what to think anymore as to whether that, you know, that will continue to be um, the dominant factor that will keep us out of lockdown or whether the case numbers are too worrying um, and they'll put in, you know, <laughs> maybe we've proven that we can't, do the right thing, unfortunately, this week. Um, I mean, people need to think that, you know, a, a visit to a friend's house could end up with children not being able to go to school if we get locked down and they've only just gone back, so please. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's, it's also important to remember that not every exposure site will be listed now. So there is, Jerome Weimar also um, down in Melbourne said this yesterday, there is community transmission, so it's um, there are public exposure sites. They just aren't necessarily all listed online anymore because those um, impacted who were visiting the business or the, you know, whatever it was at the time will be contacted directly. So, um, it, it, yeah, you really can't assume that it's not out on the street as well. Yeah, and it's vital that you get tested uh, if yeah. you have symptoms, even if you haven't been at a published exposure site because as you say they may not be published anyway let's move on from this it's all a bit depressing but i think we've made yeah. the point that yeah. just do not visit someone in their home or have people in your home catch up outside if with one person if you can please Absolutely. <laughs> so you've been you've been covering other stories i see yeah well well just quickly i think and one, one of the biggest stories this morning um is that city of greater shepparton deputy mayor Rob Priestley has announced that he'll stand as an independent candidate for the seat of Nichols at the next federal election. I saw that story. I don't think the story mentioned this new group, uh, Voices for Nichols, though, which is interesting. No, well, I um, I haven't seen whether you know they've endorsed um, Rob Priestley. In the past, they've um, really emphasised that while some Voices for Nichols groups do endorse a candidate. Um, they're really heavily uh, engaged with people from all parties and independent candidates. So in the past, they've stressed to me that they're non-partisan, but it will be interesting to see their reaction today um, as to whether you know they will be backing uh, this independent candidate in um, our deputy mayor. Presumably this was a long-term plan of Rob Priestley's. Uh, get onto council, get a bit of exposure, confidence, experience, so on and so forth, and then launch a federal bid. I suppose so, yeah. Well, he said, in, you know, he said that the, 
um, catalyst uh, for why now, obviously, number one, um, is that there's an election looming. So we can probably expect an election, I, I would guess, in March, but certainly it has to happen before the end of May. Um, but, his, you know, his platform, he wants to see restrictions on gambling advertising, better Indigenous recognition, um, greater anti-corruption me- measures, and something that he's really passionate about is um, securing our climate and um, combating the effects of climate change, which will adversely affect the Golden Valley in particular as an agricultural area. Um, the question is, would this community vote an independent into federal parliament as they have done in state parliament? Exactly, yeah. So uh, I think Damien Drum, um, his seat is, is perceived as very secure, uh, but it'll be interesting because there is a precedent on the state level uh, for an independent candidate to um, steal the seat, for one of a better word, to win the seat. <laughs> yes, to gain approval. From. Oh, we're running out of time, Rosa. Can you give us one little bright spot before you go? Oh, well, this one, um, I'm not sure if you saw during the week that the Calder Woodburn Memorial Avenue Advisory Committee, uh, which was put in place to um, assess the condition of that Memorial Avenue in your neck of the woods in Kyala uh, West, um, is kind of back after a hiatus. I did not see that. How remiss of me. So I, yeah, so I followed up with council and um, that that committee met a few times in 2017 and 2018, but essentially for three years they've been dormant um, and they've just recently engaged now, watch me try and pronounce this, an arboriculturalist. So that's something to do with trees anyway. <laughs> yeah, something to do with trees an expert who assessed the condition of the eucalyptus trees um, along the Memorial Avenue. Um, and then that will be the you know, evidence, evidence-based report um, that'll help them decide how to take care of it and, and improve the condition because it's no secret and it's widely agreed that the condition of that um, Memorial Avenue is, is not what it could be, not what it should be. I think be. this is down to you, Rosa. Are you shaking things up? I don't think so. I think it's a coincidence. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I believe in those. But uh, if anyone's listening, I'm not sure what we're talking about. As you go out of town south to Melbourne, sort of between, I guess, Kyala and, um, and Arcadia, if you like, there's that avenue of trees that was planted by a man who lost his son in the war. So it's been a little bit neglected over the recent years. So good to see a bit of attention uh, back on that because what was the figure, um, Rosa, the largest outdoor war memorial in Australia or Victoria or something? Yeah, it's pretty specific. I think it's the longest eucalyptus memorial or the largest. It's to do with the trees as well, but it is... it's significant anyway (laughs) it's significant good to see some um some attention being put back on that because um i think it's got some potential to even be a tourist attraction yeah yeah well and i think that some people will drive past and they don't even know what they're going through um well that's that's part of the thinking with our new kyala west town signs newsflash um, was putting, you know, a military military symbol and a plane on there to actually, you know, get a bit of attention on the whole Calder Woodburn thing because, of course, that first rest stop as you're going out of town, I think, is called the Calder Woodburn uh, rest stop. 
Yes, yeah. So um, stay tuned. We'll see what the Abori culturalist has to say. Keep putting pressure on them, Rosa. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for your time this morning. And I do hope that your puppy is feeling better soon. (laughs) Yes, she's. She's agitating me to stand up now, so I'd better oh, that, Thank that, you for having that me. That must be a good sign. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Rosa Ritchie of The Shepherd and News.